Well, good morning. Uh, I'm glad, so glad that you guys have joined us for online worship this morning. And even though uh, I can't see you and we're not in person, I feel like we've been able to stay in touch and, and stay uh, connected with each other through uh, church online platform, through Zoom meetings, through uh, conference calls and things like that. So thank you for being creative and, and staying in touch. Uh, and, and we can't wait uh, to be together in person again. Um, hopefully that'll be sooner than later, but uh, we'll see about that. Uh, and please, if you or if anybody you know have any sort of need right now, uh, please let us know. Let your Sunday school class know. Let somebody know. Um, there are ways that we can help you as a church. Uh, we've got families uh, that have been serving others uh, through this whole time. Uh, and so please, please, please let us know or let somebody know uh, if, if you need anything right now. Also, uh, if you're on the stream right now and you need something, you can even let us know right now. There's staff members, uh, church staff members, and there's encourage our encourager team is right on the other side of this live stream. And if you press live prayer down, down at the very bottom of your screen, uh, you should be able to contact somebody right now in a private chat. Um, so let me open this up in prayer, and then we'll jump right in. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for how you love us, and I thank you, uh, Father, for an opportunity to still connect with our people uh, during this time, and, and Lord, that you have uh, made all of this possible. Father, we um, are, are uncertain right now. There are things going on around us that don't make a whole lot of sense, and, and we don't, uh, maybe, maybe there's those out there that have lost jobs. Maybe there's those um, that are struggling, um, and I pray, Lord, um, that they would run to you. Lord, thank you for being uh, that help in the time of need. And I pray, Lord, uh, that you would speak to us this morning um, as we uh, read your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So during our last session uh, of Lead You, uh, when we had it on campus the beginning of the year, I was able to lead a class um, on a book by Ravi Zacharias. Uh, and it was called Jesus Among Secular Gods. And the whole premise of the book uh, was just to see how Christianity answered all the questions of, of many other worldviews. Uh, we looked at atheism, we looked at scientism, we looked at humanism, hedonism, all kinds of other isms. And, and the challenge throughout the whole study was to learn how to have meaningful conversations that, uh, with people that you come across um, and how to turn those conversations to Jesus, uh, to spiritual things and how to share the gospel. And so that's kind of what we talked about. Uh, and, and so this sermon uh, is kind of based on that the very last week of that. Um, there was a kind of a strange idea, I thought, a new idea that was brought up uh, in, in the last week of that. Uh, I never thought about it before, but it really made perfect sense to me. And so I want to share that uh, with you this morning and share it through John chapter 4. Uh, so most of these ideas that you hear today, um, they're not my own. Uh, the, uh, I used a lot of the, the, the book, um, but there's, uh, it's so powerful. It's so thought-provoking. It's something that uh, when I read it, when I was studying through it, um, it, it really made me change the way I think about um, sharing the gospel, uh, change the way I think about preparing to share the gospel. And so I'm hoping that you'll have that same thing uh, today. So the main idea is this, is that Jesus was a superb conversationalist. Jesus was a superb 
conversationalist. And maybe this isn't life-changing. Maybe this isn't a crazy idea. We all know that Jesus was good at talking to people. That's what he did, right? But something clicked in me when I heard this, and I hope that it will with you this morning. So in all the Gospels, we see that Jesus spent a ton of time talking to people. And the argument could be made that Jesus's conversational ministry had probably just as much impact as his preaching did. His one-on-one conversations with people were just as meaningful as his uh, sermons that he preached to large crowds. And maybe, just maybe, we should look at our conversational skills as a spiritual discipline and, and as a key aspect of Christian discipleship. So that's what I want to talk about today, looking at uh, conversation skills as a spiritual discipline. This is, this is kind of the new idea that was kind of weird, never heard of before. Um, when we think of spiritual disciplines, uh, we think of prayer, we think of reading scripture, we think of um, all these types of things, but we never really, I've never really thought of um, working on conversational skills as a spiritual discipline, but I hope to see uh, that, that I can show you that today, of how important it can be. And so that leads me to number one, question number one for the chat. And so if you'll participate in the chat window there if you can. The question number one is this, have you ever thought of developing your conversational skills seriously as a spiritual discipline? And if you're like me, if you didn't, if you've never thought about that, why? Why do you think that is? So we're going to spend some time exploring that this morning through John chapter 4. And we're going to be talking about an account that's probably really familiar to a lot of you, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. So we're going to break it down into sections and we're going to try to find uh, four evangelistic principles that we can learn from Jesus' conversations. So there's a lot here, so we'll go ahead and jump in pretty quickly to the scripture. So John 4 Uh, verses 3 through 9. John 4, verses 3 through 9, and it says this, He, being Jesus, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and that would be noon, that would be in the heat of the day, in the middle of the day, Uh, the sixth hour. Uh, Verse 7, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So the first principle that I want to look at here uh, that we can learn from Jesus is, number one, be willing to break through social and cultural barriers. Be willing to break through social and cultural barriers. So there's a lot of debate among scholars whether or not Jesus actually had to go through. The scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. Um, The general consensus is that going through Samaria was probably the quickest route, uh, but most Jews, because of their hatred for Samaritan people, uh, they preferred to take the long way around. And so a little background uh, of this whole uh, idea of the Uh, Samaritans and the Jews. Over time, Samaria began to take in exiles from other countries. And so intermarriage began to start happening uh, between Jews and Gentiles. And this is very much looked down upon uh, in those days. And also because of all this intermarriage, the people began to worship foreign little g gods. 
They began to worship other gods. And the Jews, they didn't want any part in, of this. They didn't want any dealings with those kind of people. But Jesus, which is a common way to introduce the things that Jesus said when you say, but Jesus, uh, but Jesus was willing to cross over uh, to the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. Uh, he was uh, very countercultural, uh, just like we should be living today. So he, he wasn't the type to be prejudiced. He wasn't the type to hold any racism or sexism in his day. And while everyone else saw these half-breed Samaritans, these half-breed kind of people, Jesus saw through the social constructs, and he just saw the people that were made in the image of God. He saw the people that were made in the image of God. And oftentimes, we don't see that, do we? We see what the world tells us we need to see. We see what our culture tells us we need to see. Jesus saw through those social constructs and he saw the image of God. And just like you and me, just like the lowest in society and the highest in society, we're all made in the image of God. And that's what Jesus saw. He didn't see the outward appearance. He didn't see the social constructs. Um, We're all made in the image of God. And Jesus knew this. And he didn't just know it. And this is important. He didn't just know it. He acted on it. He acted like he knew it. Oftentimes, I think there's a lot of things that we as Christians know, but do we act upon it? Do we act like we know it? Do we live life in such a way that we act those things out? And so this is what Jesus was doing here. He's being very countercultural. Now, that may step on some toes this morning. I know in my preparation, um, it, it stepped on mine, and I can think of ways uh, where I am not always the most accepting person. And, and maybe that's you out there. Um, And so hopefully this will be challenging for you today, just like it has been for me. But on top of all of those reasons so far not to talk to the Samaritans, this woman was also likely even an outcast with her own Samaritan people. Uh, The custom was to go to the well in the mornings, and you usually went in a group. Uh, It was cooler in the mornings, uh, and there was a lot of other people. But she was going in the heat of the day, uh, and she was all by herself. And so she was likely... Uh, not only an outcast from the Jews, but she was likely an outcast from her own people. She was living a life of sin. People probably knew it, and and she was kind of discarded. Uh, she was shunned by her own people, and Jesus had every right to fall in line with the culture and do the same thing that everybody else did, uh, but he didn't. And just like we have Uh, It wouldn't be looked down upon us at all to do everything that the culture tells us to do. But we have to be countercultural like Jesus. So I think we're challenged here by Jesus to spend more time in meaningful conversation, meaningful relationships with people that our culture says we should stay away from. And that may look different for whoever that is in your life. But maybe there's someone that you're not supposed to talk to. Maybe there's someone, the uh, type of person that you're not supposed to hang around. Uh, But Jesus went to those people and offered those people eternal life. So you don't have to answer this in the chat, but think about this. What social and cultural barriers are you afraid to cross even to share the gospel? I think we we should be ashamed of ourselves for drawing those lines in our life. And I know I've drawn them in my life. You've probably drawn them in your life. What kind of people do you stay away from and why? And as Christians, what does that say about our love for others? And are we truly loving one another if we live our life according to those cultural barriers?
Someone's life could change with an introduction to Jesus, but oftentimes we think that our discomfort is worth more than their eternity. So I hope you, under, I hope you heard that. That sometimes we think that our discomfort, our few minutes of discomfort, is worth more than the eternity of another person. So not only do we need to be willing to break through social and cultural barriers, but number principle number two here is to generate curiosity. This comes from verses 10 through 12 in John 4. We see here that Jesus went against the social taboos, and that piqued the Samaritan woman's curiosity. In verse 10, it says this, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked them, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank it from himself, and, and as did his sons and his livestock. So here Jesus uses the well to start a conversation about himself. He made the claim about living water here. And even though the woman may not have believed it right away, Jesus certainly had her attention at this point. So question number two for the chat, you can uh, put your answers in the chat. What is an example of something in our culture that you can use to begin a conversation about Jesus? I think there are three, three very important things that must exist for a real conversation to happen. Number one is that you must speak that person's language. And I mean both literally, obviously, and figurative, figuratively. First of all, you, you aren't going to get very far speaking English to a Spanish speaker, right? So that, that goes without saying. But in a figurative sense, if you, if you really need to know the interests of the person you're talking with, you really need to know them. You need to know who they are, what kind of things they're into, what are the common things that you two have in common. For example, I can talk with Pastor Daniel all day long about tech stuff and about computers and about uh, lately, uh, of course, with video live streaming and websites and all these types of things. And he's all into it and I'm all into it. And uh, we're, we're just kind of nerds together, right? Uh, but um, I go home and I talk, uh, share some of those things with my wife and uh, I've lost her. Um, she, she'll humor me. She, she, she's not... Uh, completely against tech stuff, so she gets it, uh, and, and she participates in conversation. Um, but for the most part, that's not the language that she speaks. And so we've got to know uh, the language that someone speaks. We have to know what they're into. We have to know their interests and their hobbies, uh, those sorts of things. That what's, that's what makes for a good relationship and a good conversation. So you've got to find some sort of uh, common ground, and you've got to talk about that with someone. If you're on the ball field, for example, uh, with another parent, talk about the struggles or the, or the awesome parts of being on the ball field all the time, going to practices, um, uh, traveling and, and playing ball uh, around the area. Uh, if your child is into, a, uh, is into chess and you go to chess tournaments, and talk with other parents about that. Of course, you've got to be a lot softer, right? Um, that's supposed to be funny. You can laugh if you want. But I think you get my point. You must speak their language. And then the second thing that must exist for a real conversation to happen is that you must be ready with questions. So Jesus asked a whole lot of good questions in his time on earth. Um, in fact, about 307 questions 
are recorded in the New Testament. He led and he responded with questions often, and and this is the reason that conversations kept going with him. Oftentimes we ask questions that elicit a really quick response, like, how was your weekend, or how's work, or did you have a good summer? And and really all we're expecting is like a two-word answer, right? We're not really expecting to have a conversation. So why not try to be a little more creative with the way that you talk with people and the questions that you ask? Um, try to be a little more creative. And, and, and some examples may be, you know, what, is, what was the best or the worst part of your week? Uh, what are you good at? Who has the most significant influence in your life? You know, these types of questions um, will, will get a response that a conversation, uh, that will start a conversation. All these questions will start a real conversation. Those real conversations can, can lead into a real relationship. And most importantly, those real conversations can lead into a conversation about Jesus. And then the third thing that must exist for a real conversation to happen is that you must be ready to respond. When Jesus responded to questions, he did so very discerningly and very purposeful. Uh, you can argue, of course, well, he, he was God, so what do you expect, right? Um, but uh, he was very purposeful with his answers. Some of the responses that we see in Scripture, uh, he says, Why do you call me good? in Mark ten eighteen, uh, He says, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give back to God what is God's in Matthew 22, verse 21. And then in John 8, 7, he says, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. And so we see over and over and over again, and that's just three examples out of probably hundreds of, of how Jesus responded in a meaningful way and, and uh, gave real answers that, that started real conversations. Maybe one reason that uh, Jesus was able to respond with such wisdom and intentionality uh, is that he prayed about the questions and the challenges that may come his way. Uh, and, and we also know many of the questions that are asked to us regularly. We, we know what's coming, right? There's always that one person that asks us the same thing like every week after the weekend, right? Uh, or something like that. So we, we can kind of know some of the questions that are coming our way. One of the authors of this book uh, that a lot of this is based out of, is his name is Vince Vitale. He brings up a great point. He says, one question you probably get regularly is how was your weekend? And right, most of us think nothing about that, right? We, we may answer it, and it may be nothing uh, important, really. It was a good weekend. It was a bad weekend. Uh, we had fun. We did this. But uh, in the book, Vince says this. He says, if you are a Christian and you go to church, that question is the gift that is, is really a gift, and we pass it up all the time. That question should lead us to share about our worship experience over the weekend. That question can lead us into a gospel conversation. And oftentimes, uh, we give a quick one or two word answer. And so be ready with your responses. And so question number three in the chat is this, if you want to respond uh, there in the chat, is what are some questions that you are asked regularly that can help lead to conversations about Jesus? What are some questions that are asked of you regularly that can help lead to conversations about Jesus? And this is exactly the point that I'm trying to make here is that our conversational skills can and probably should be looked at as a very important spiritual discipline. If you know how to have a good conversation, then you can introduce Jesus to anyone. 
I should probably mention that not every single conversation you have has to lead people to Jesus. People need to know that you're seeking a real relationship with them and you're not just checking off the box uh, with that conversation. Um, But um, we need to have those conversations pretty regularly that lead to Jesus, lead to spiritual things. Uh, So generate some curiosity, be creative, actually engage in real conversations and, and try to not give just those one or two word answers to get those people off of your back. And, and last of all, mean it. You're never going to have a real relationship if you can't have a real conversation with people. And people are going to look straight through that, especially if you try to go to them to talk about Christ, but you've never actually had a conversation with them uh, about anything else. Um, they're, they're, it lacks a, a lot of um, realness there, and that's what people are looking for these days. So ask questions, have some responses ready, and pray over how you can respond to some of those questions. These kinds of conversations can help foster real relationships with people, and it can lead them into an eternity with Jesus. And and that's really what we're here for, right, is to help lead people to an eternity with Jesus. So we saw that we need to be willing to break through social and cultural barriers. We saw that we need to generate curiosity in our conversations. And then number three, present the gospel. Uh, This comes from verses 13 through 18. Let me read that for you. Uh, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become uh, become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What, have you, what you have said is true. And so Jesus is offering this Samaritan woman eternal life here. And before we go any further, I want to go ahead and ask a fourth question for the chat. So respond in the chat window here. What are some reasons that you have for not sharing the gospel with others. What are some of the reasons that you have for not sharing the gospel with others? Don't be afraid to share. Uh, most people probably have a lot of the same reasons. Um, just, just to help uh, knowing that we're all in this together, go ahead and respond. What are some of the reasons for not sharing the gospel with others? There's a lot of reasons out there, uh, but what are some of the ones that you guys struggle with when it comes to sharing the gospel? Are you nervous? Are you an introvert? Do you just not have any relationships with lost people? Those are some of the common things. Tell us your reasons for not sharing. And back to the passage. I know the wording here, used here by Jesus, seems a little bit strange, a little bit confusing. But what he said was meant to echo some of the Old Testament promises found in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Zechariah. Uh, for example, Isaiah 55 Verses 1 through 3, it says this, Come everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that you have, that your soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And then in Zechariah 14, the first part of verse 8 says this, On that day living waters 
shall flow out of Jerusalem. So this idea of living water was not lost on her. She knew what it meant. Uh, so first, Jesus presented the gospel. He offered eternal life. But then he explained why she needed the gospel in the first place. You know, um, an offering, uh, after offering eternal life, Jesus turned to the reason that she needed that message, and that was her sin. Now, a quick disclaimer, I don't recommend pointing out all the deep, dark sin of people around you and then telling them to turn to Jesus, because um, by everything that I know, that usually just turns people away. That's not going to help. Um, but helping people know that you aren't perfect, that they aren't perfect, that we as a people are not perfect people, uh, will help them see a need for a Savior. So Jesus knew this woman had some emotional needs. He knew that she was looking for security. She was looking for significance. And this is a very important part of the gospel. Jesus then invited her to come as she was so that God could satisfy her heart and her soul. Jesus invited her to come as she was. I hope you caught that. He didn't say that she had to get her life right. He didn't say that she had to get everything together, had to clean up the mess, uh, had to um, you know, do this one last thing. He offered her eternal life right then and right there, just as she was, on the spot. Because he knew that without that life-giving salvation, she's never going to be able to attain righteousness on her own. She's never going to be able to clean up her own life. And we're the same way. And so we need Jesus. Now we've got to invite people so present the gospel and be invitational. Uh, a lot of times, uh, we as Christians and me, uh, I, I'm right there with you, it's hard to even get to the point to present the gospel, right? Uh, it can be difficult to bring that up in conversation. And so uh, then sometimes if we get to that point, sometimes we don't make it to the next point, which is to be invitational, to invite them to respond to the message they just heard. And so what Jesus does here is not only presents the gospel, offers eternal life, but then he offers for her to respond. And oftentimes people don't respond because they were never invited in the first place. So, uh, I mean, if you heard about a party going on with a bunch of your friends and um, people you knew, but you were never actually invited, maybe you would show up, but most likely you wouldn't, right? Because you never got the invitation from anybody that was there. So don't be afraid to share the gospel and invite those people to respond to the gospel message. Oftentimes, all they need is an invitation. As I close out on point three, I want to read Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed. You aren't ashamed of your children. You're not ashamed of your hobbies. You're not ashamed of uh, your work a lot of the times. Um, and you talk about those things all the time, right? With all kinds of people all the time. At the drop of a hat, you can share about some of those things that are really important in your life. So why can't we do that with our Christian faith? And so that's what I'm challenging you today is to be able to share the gospel and invite people to respond. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Your testimony can make a life-changing impact. So we've got to be willing to break through social and cultural barriers, just like Jesus did here. We've got to generate curiosity in our conversations, and we've got to present the gospel and give a chance to, 
for people to respond. Uh, but the last point here is principle number four. When objections arise, stay focused on what matters. So sometimes in conversations with people, when you tap into some sort of insecurity or some kind of uncertainty that they have in their life, they turn away from that or they run away or they'll stop the conversation and they'll change, change direction, right, because they don't want to go there. Um, and that's exactly what we see here. Uh, we try to, the people try to change the subject when uh, conversation gets to a place that's a little uncomfortable. But we see that, we see it here with the Samaritan woman in verses 19 through 26. So let me go ahead and read that. Verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So naturally, she attempted to shift the focus away from something else, right? He began to tapping in to some uh, really deep things in her life. And so she began to focus, uh, turn the focus elsewhere. She began talking about where people are supposed to worship, right? And without going into a whole lot of detail here, because it would take a long time probably, but this idea of where the Jews worship, where the uh, Samaritans worship, it really gets at the base of the hostility between the two people groups. Uh, but Jesus didn't take the bait here. He could have responded in a lot of ways, but he stayed focused on three different truths. And that is, first of all, he stayed on God's word. He stayed on a relationship with God. And he stayed on the identity of Jesus. These three things should be your focus when sharing the gospel. Uh, they are essential in becoming a Christian. And, and the ultimate result of this conversation was salvation. And that should be our ultimate goal every time we share the gospel. Um, this one conversation produced fruit, and this is the great part of all of this, is it, it produced fruit that lasted for years and years to come. If we skip down just, uh, just a little bit further to verses 39 through 41, it says this, um, Many Samaritans from that town believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. So I hope you caught that right there in the beginning of verse 39. It said, because of the woman's testimony. Because of her testimony. Because of what Jesus had done in her life, and knowing who she was and how she has changed, that is why others believed the message about Jesus. Jesus didn't stick around very long, but the Samaritans believed in him because another one of their people had a testimony. And not only did they have the testimony, she shared the testimony. She shared about Jesus, and she did it unashamedly. This one conversation, this one conversation changed not only her course in life, but it changed many other people and probably generations throughout history. Knowing that our testimony about Jesus can have that kind of lasting impact 
should motivate us to tell others. So as we close, I want you to think about the first question that I asked when we started. Have you ever thought of developing the skill, uh, your conversation skills, seriously as a spiritual discipline? If not, maybe now's the time. Our world's going through a global pandemic. People are hurting. People are losing jobs. Um, everything's kind of been turned upside down, right? And people are asking a lot of questions. And now is the time to share your faith with other people, to tell people how you are able to focus on Jesus during this time. Maybe you're watching today and you've heard of Jesus and you want to know more about what it's like to be a Christian. You can actually respond today. Um, maybe you want to learn more about how to follow Jesus. You can respond today. Let us know by pushing the live prayer button down at the bottom of your screen. On the other side of that, there's pastors and there's some of our encouragers team that want to pray with you, want to introduce you to Jesus, and want to help you know how to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, maybe you're not watching this live, and maybe you're watching it later on YouTube, uh, but you can uh, send us a message. Uh, you can go to our, our website, fbcob.info, and fill out uh, a Connect card and, and connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we want to help you know more about living life as a follower of Jesus because it's, it's changed my life. It's changed a lot of people's lives that are in this chat room today. And um, I pray that today is the day of salvation for you. I know that this situation is not ideal, but you can make that decision today. Like I said, our pastors are waiting to hear from you right on the other side of this chat. Um, the band is about to come back on. They're going to lead us in a time of reflection, a time of invitation. Um, maybe you can ask for prayer during this time. Maybe you ask for what it means to follow Jesus. The next song is the time for that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today and listening and staying active in the chat. Uh, we can't wait to get back together in person, but your contributions to the conversation uh, really have gone a long way to make it feel like uh, we are staying connected, and, and it's been really good, great. Um, if you want to ask about salvation, do that through the live prayer button. If you want to talk about a pastor, uh, talk to a pastor, do that through the live prayer button. Maybe uh, you've been with us a while and uh, you've been considering joining our church family. Uh, you can even do that uh, by hitting that live prayer button. We just want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. We want to pray with you through any decision uh, that's going on uh, in your life. Uh, so let me close in prayer and then we'll have a chance to respond. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today again. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the way that you can change people's lives. I thank you for the fact that you can pull us out of all the dirt and all the junk and all the mess that we get ourselves in, and you can change our lives. Father, I pray for those that don't yet know you, Father, that if you're tugging on their heart, that they would talk to somebody today. And Father, for those that do know you, I pray that they are challenged to share the message of the gospel with other people. Father, I pray that uh, as we uh, leave church today, as we get out of here after the next song, Father, that we are challenged um, to think about our conversations and to take them seriously and to use them um, as a spiritual discipline. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and for his example and for how he led others um, in conversation and and lord i pray that we can do the same thing even today so lord we love you work in our people in our people's lives today and it's in jesus name i pray
Amen.